0: This podcast is brought to you by Kingdom at Work. Every leader needs an intentional plan to see transformation take place in their organization. The Kingdom Leadership Workshop exists to help you build that plan. Learn more at www.kingdomatwork.com slash events. Kingdomatwork.com slash events.
1: Hey, welcome to iWork for Him as we broadcast you from Lubbock, Texas. We're so excited to be here as part of the a Kingdom Leadership Workshop And it's being hosted by kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. If you are a Christ-following leader of an organization or you own a business, this is a place you need to come. If you've ever thought about becoming a kingdom leader, developing a kingdom style, developing a kingdom culture within your organization, you just want to find out, how do I live out my faith as I run this company? Kingdom Leadership Workshop, you've got three opportunities in 2019 to be part of this Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Check it out online, kingdomatwork.com, kingdomatwork.com. We're going to highlight a couple of different organizations during the show today. The first one is Mission Lazarus. Now, last spring, Martha and I met Jared Brown from Mission Lazarus as we sat around the table at the Kingdom Leadership Workshop in April, and we tried unsuccessfully to connect up with me. Mean, actually, we're in Nashville where he lives, but he was in a different part of the country. So as we're both now not anywhere near home, we are in Lubbock, Texas. We connect once again. Jared Brown, welcome to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's exciting to have you here, and you've got some people with you. Why don't you introduce the people you have with you? I do. I have our National Director of
2: Operations from Honduras with us, Luis Brizio, and I have Natalie Bierman, who is our Social Enterprise Manager for uh, what we're doing here in the U.S.
1: Fantastic, and it's great to have you guys all here today. All right, I want to just start off with, Jared, why... Now, let me just just start this. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus?
2: Oh, goodness. I grew up in the church, born in the church, but it didn't have a passion for Christ until I happened to find myself in a detention center on the island of Cuba in 2008 in a very bad spot. You're not kidding me. I'm not kidding. You're being dead serious. Dead serious. Holy Spirit got me out, transformed uh, my life.
1: Wow. Okay. All right, so how did that lead you to Mission Lazarus? I mean, did Mission Lazarus come out of that time in the detention center? You're talking Guantanamo Bay. You were in that part of Cuba.
2: We were close, twelve hours east of Havana, near Guantanamo Bay, about an hour from Guantanamo. Okay. All right. So how did how did God lead you to Mission Lazarus, being one of the founders? Well, so we uh, Mission Lazarus started in 2001. Okay. And the the original passion was just to help uh, local ministers. Uh, be a little bit more effective in what they were doing. And I really believed in doing that. But actually sharing the good news wasn't what I was passionate about because I really didn't know what it meant to be free have that freedom of Christ when you'd grown up in a Christian family
1: and been in church your whole life until I got out of jail. And we're going to follow up with that in a second. Natalie Beerman, what brought you to Mission Lazarus? You're new to the team, aren't you?
3: I've been working with a team for about two years, full time in the U.S. Okay. And I first started as a customer of the store. Lazarus Artisan Goods sells goods that are handmade by students in programs at Mission Lazarus in both Honduras and Haiti. So I found one of these goods at a market, Purchased it, stayed connected with the ministry, started as a volunteer, moved to an intern, went on a trip to Honduras, and that is really where I was drawn in and have been on board since.
1: Now, we're going to hear from Luis Brizio uh, during the next segment, because you have to interpret for him, because he doesn't know much English. Why don't you talk about what Mission Lazarus is all about and what's going on in Honduras, which is where Luis is from. Yes, yeah, so our approach in Honduras is to bring eternal worth to light. And
2: that's what we say, but what we're really about is using different initiatives to uh, reach people with the good news of Christ. And so we do that through individual, family, community, and economic outreaches. And so that entails schools, medical
1: clinics, agriculture projects, uh, skill development, and job creation. So I love the economic connection. Talk to us about it. What does that mean? Economic, you're, you're helping people out economically. You were giving them money? (laughs) Yeah. No, you know, I I
2: came from a business background and was a consultant in Houston and the whole process as you know going around and raising support is uh it's not real fun no it is not it's extraordinarily <laughs> unfun and so uh, you know on the ground in Honduras we realize there's so much opportunity here for business and and where we were at in Honduras is a, a, a an area that's uh, very stifled with the economic uh um, you know opportunities there But there's a lot of people wanting to work. They don't want to hand out. And Honduras, for our region of Latin America, Central America, Caribbean, Honduras has a remarkably good minimum wage established by the government. But there's not a whole lot of places where a Honduran can earn that minimum wage. And contrary to what you would see, maybe if you watch the evening news, a Honduran will stay at home if he can make minimum wage. And it's only $350 a month. So he'll stay home. He
1: makes the 350 bucks, whether he's working or not. No,
2: if, if if you can, if we can create jobs, job opportunities that are sustainable. So it's a real business and we have for-profit endeavors set up that we guarantee everyone, they're going to get at least minimum wage. Got it. They don't feel like their only option is to head out on foot north. Honduras has the highest population per capita of people immigrating to the U.S. illegally. And they're not coming because they want to go to, you know, the launch
1: at Cracker Barrel after church on Sunday. They're coming looking for, for opportunity. And they were recently in the news. There was many people traveling from Honduras trying to get across the border. I mean, so yes. is, it, is it that the conditions in Honduras are just they're really rough? Why is it that people want to leave Honduras?
2: Yeah, there's, there are obviously, just like in the U.S., pockets of places where crime is bad, murder rates are very high. But my, my family, we lived there for 13 years. My children were born there. I, I wouldn't take my family back if it was dangerous to be there now if you're a Honduran the reality is whether it's danger from a bullet or danger because you don't know how you're going to feed your children or how you're going to buy the medicine danger is danger the news just picks up on the on the uh, crime piece mm-hmm. because you can't uh, qualify for asylum in the U.S. because you're hungry and poor
1: why don't you give us some specific things at Mission Lazarus? Because I want people to be familiar with just a little bit, tickle their fancies about what is, it, what is Mission Lazarus? How can they help Mission Lazarus do what they do in, in countries like Honduras? Talk, talk to us about what, what are some of the things you're doing specifically and how can people get involved? Well, you know, the key,
2: when you're able to find skills that are in the region, wherever it is that you have a heart for around the world, when you can find skills that are there, the, the, the key is to take advantage of those skills to look at job creation. And so many people who are passionate about ministry have that entrepreneurial drive and that business knowledge that we can put it to work and you can run a business that's sustainable where you can use the actual business endeavor, that revenue stream as a ministry opportunity. It supports itself. And then for us, our business endeavors put money right back into The ministry. So, where do they get the initial capital to get those things started? Well, for us, ours all started under the umbrella of our nonprofit and they kept growing. And at the end of 2017, due to the size of our for profit endeavors, we had to spin off the for profit. This year's been an interesting year because uh, we didn't have any capital held back because it had always gone all into the ministry. So, even though we had Eight or nine year track record of growth and incredible products and things that we're doing. It was basically like having a startup. So it's been very interesting, but there's a lot of passionate believers that want to be involved in business endeavors like this, impact investors, uh, where you can get, uh, you can get financing, you can get financing with low interest rates and, uh, people who really want to do something sustainable around the world for the kingdom.
1: So how did you, I mean, I'm going to go to Natalie for a second. Natalie, you've been working with us for a couple of years. What is it about Mission Lazarus that you love the most that just gets you excited about going to work every day?
3: Well, I'm not in the business to sell leather goods, primarily to sell leather and be a good leather brand. I am in this business. I work for Mission Lazarus because I believe in creating jobs and using business economics to leverage job creation growth in a place where it's not accessible. And so by being the bridge to a market that is willing to pay the price for good quality products, we're able to connect that to people who don't have the opportunity and develop economics in that local region. And if people have buying power, if they have income, then they're able to help. In their local communities by investing back into their churches, into their families, then you see transformation really happening in the developing world.
1: All right, what brought us together here in Lubbock, Texas, is the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Really quick, Natalie Bierman, as you have just experienced, you know a, a lot of this Kingdom Leadership Workshop. What's your biggest takeaway so far?
3: I am in 30 seconds or less. so encouraged by what they're providing with us here for training and developing our teams. As Jared mentioned, most of our initiatives are on the ground in Honduras. So to be part of the U.S. team, I am thrilled to be able to challenge that growth here in a team and be able to take our business in a way that's more profitable to continue that blessing back in Honduras and in Haiti.
1: And just learning how to be a kingdom leader is just so powerful, developing a kingdom style. Because when a kingdom leader engages in a kingdom style, then a kingdom culture emerges and the kingdom of God advances. We're talking today with Jared Brown, Natalie Beerman, and Luis Brizio. He is from, Luis is from Honduras. He's the national director for Mission Lazarus in Honduras. And I really am excited for you to hear from Luis, but you're going to hear from Luis in a different way. We don't speak the same language. That's not Luis's fault. It's my fault because I took German in high school, not Spanish. But Jared Brown is going to interpret for us. Jared, just quick question for you. You brought your, a whole par, big part of your team from Honduras to the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. It's all being in, interpreted for them. Why did you bring them here to the Kingdom Leadership Workshop? When I was at this, at this workshop in April, at
2: the end of the seminar, Rick Beatenbow Rick looked at it, everyone and said, "If you implement these principles that we 're talking about, people are going to say you 're crazy." He said, "I want you to know you are crazy, but there 's a room full of us, and my team's been saying that about me for years as we 've been trying to do something that was totally different from anything uh, that a lot of even Americans had seen in ministry, uh, but certainly on the ground
1: in Honduras. Luis Brizio, how how is the Lord working? What do you see the Lord doing on the ground in Honduras? Luis, ¿lo, qué lo que lo
2: ve que el Señor está haciendo en el campo en Honduras,
4: transformando vidas,
1: transforming lives. So explain that a little bit more and how Mission Lazarus is helping with that. Explícame un poco más
2: y qué, qué rol tiene Misión Lazarus en esa transformación.
4: Bueno, eh, el rol que juega Misión Lazo en la transformación de, de la vida de estas personas es el poder entablar una amistad primero con ellos.
2: El rol que Misión Lazo es playing es first just being able to build a relationship, have a friendship with these people.
1: You mentioned, Jared, that uh, on the ground you got non profits and for profits in Honduras. Luis, how does that work? How is the body of Christ working around these non-profits and for profits? Luis, ¿cómo interactúa
2: el cuerpo del señor entre eh, el ministerio y las empresas que manejas en Honduras?
4: Bueno, eh, La forma como manejamos eh, la parte emprendedora y la parte eh, del ministerio, pues eh, trabajamos holístico. So, between our
2: entrepreneurial endeavors and the ministry, we work holistically so that even though they're very different area, they're going in the same direction, in the same sense. And, Luis, how many, how many people do you employ through your nonprofits and your for-profits? 111
1: Employees today. Wow! And how does Mission Lazarus help you be successful on a daily basis? So they're,
2: they're training me. I'm here
4: today. I'm having
2: mm-hmm. an opportunity
4: to grow through a seminar. Está capacitando cada uno de mis directores.
2: He said that Mission Ledger
4: is investing in, in training each of my directors. De esa forma, nosotros replicamos lo que estamos aprendiendo el, estos días con nuestro equipo en Honduras. And so
2: we, as a team, will be able to take what we're learning here and be able to teach that uh, to the rest of the team back in Honduras.
1: Luis, do you find the people of Honduras are hungry for wanting to start businesses and be self-sufficient? Tú, ¿Tú tú te encuentras en la situación que los hondureños
2: quieren ser exitosos eh, eh, en, el, en el comercio?
4: Creo que eh, Dios me ha hecho un llamado. Me ha hecho un llamado y yo he entendido lo que Él quiere de mí. So, me he me. Él me ha dado la oportunidad de ser el líder. De and the fact he's given me the opportunity to be the leader of 111. Uh, and,
2: and so he's given me a great opportunity to be able to help them grow.
1: We're talking today with Jared Brown from Mission Lazarus. And we've got Luis Brizio from Honduras on. And Jared's doing the interpretation because my Spanish is extremely weak. And I just let 's dig a little deeper, Jared, with Luis. I, I really want to find out how can we as believer, entrepreneurial believers, people that believe that God loves our work, cares about our work, how can we get involved in helping the people of Honduras to uh, thrive. ¿Qué es lo que pueden hacer eh, personas,
2: eh, empresarios en los Estados Unidos eh, para ayudar a, a personas a ser exitosos en Honduras o, o solo es que todo el mundo en Honduras quiere que le regale dinero y comida?
4: No, de ninguna manera. Nosotros también manejamos lo que es la parte emprendedora y poder eh, estas personas conocer de lo que está haciendo eh, Misión Lázaro a través de su área emprendedora, buscar la sostenibilidad ¿verdad? es importante para nosotros el poder ver a esos empresarios que creen en lo que está haciendo Misión Lázaro a través de su área emprendedora so the, the opportunity for
2: people to come and see that Hondurans want to work, they want an opportunity, uh, they have a strong entrepreneurial spirit, and so when there's businessmen and women from the U.S. with a lot of skills that are looking to invest and share those, it's a great opportunity for them to be able to come down and help us to be even more successful in our sustainable uh, efforts uh, to grow business and use it as ministry.
1: Luis, you have been attending the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. What is the most radical idea? Most yeah, I just use a radical idea that you've heard that you need to take back and implement in Honduras. Luis, eh, aquí en esta conferencia donde he estado, ¿qué es la idea
2: más radical que has oído que quieres llevar a Honduras a a implementar?
4: Bueno, eh, escuché hoy que a través de, de de nuestra parte emprendedora nuestra empresa poder llegar a esas personas que aún no conocen todavía el señor es fundamental para nosotros hearing today
2: that we're not the only ones that really believe that we can use a business to reach people who don't know christ yet um, is very encouraging
1: louis how radical of an idea was it that the loving people should be more important than executing the business plan. Como, como miró
2: la idea de que amar al equipo no debe ser menos importante que lograr el éxito del plan de la empresa.
4: Bueno, eh, es 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 un es un reto, es un reto. He said it's a goal. It's a challenge. Have you, Luis, have you ever seen this?
1: Is there, there anybody else talking about these ideas? The ideas you're hearing about at the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Is there anybody else in Honduras talking about stuff like this?
2: Has you heard of other people or other, companies, or other ministries in Honduras that are talking about these philosophies? No, 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 no way. Okay, so you guys are actually going to transform your country. entonces you repente going to
4: transform el country. If si es so that's
2: God's will, we're willing.
1: Amen. Well, you may be training up the next president. You never know.
2: que está entrenando el futuro presidente, nunca se sabe. Claro. <laughs>
1: what, is, what is one thing that you want the, our iWorkframe listeners to know about the people of Honduras? And the Christ followers that you work alongside each and every day.
2: Una cosa que quisiera que los oyentes sepan de, de, la, de las personas que están cometido al ministerio eh, comprometido al ministerio en Honduras todos los días. Una cosa interesante que quisiera que ellos sepan.
4: Bueno, eh, a través de lo que está haciendo Misión Lázaro, estamos transformando vidas. Estamos transformando parte económica, verdad? El hecho de que ellos puedan Tener un salario digno permite de que estas personas no estén pensando en emigrar para Estados Unidos. Y eso es el compromiso que tenemos.
2: Con la oportunidad que tenemos, we have to be able to help people with skills and, and job creation so that they can have a dignified salary. Es mm-hmm. phenomenal, porque en el end, what it does, it, it, it allows Honduras to be proud of being in Honduras and not only think about emigrating uh, somewhere right. illegally.
1: Mm. Thank Excellent. you, Luis Brizio.
4: Gracias a ustedes. Gracias.
1: Natalie, you mentioned to us off the air that that you were a customer of Mission Lazarus and some of the things. How can we become customers of the stuff that's being made?
3: Absolutely. Lazarusartisangoods.com has all of our leather goods as well as our coffee, which comes from the coffee farm in Honduras. And you can read more about the story, the students behind it, the artisans that we employ all transparently on our website, connecting back into the ministry operations in Honduras and Haiti.
1: Lazarusartisangoods.com, so they can get leather goods and get coffee. Is the coffee good? I'm not a coffee drinker. Do they have Mountain Dew on that website? Just kidding. <laughs> so good coffee. Beautiful coffee. Mountain coffee, the kind of stuff that everybody loves here in the States. And leather goods. What kind of leather goods? What, what kind of stuff?
3: Across the board, we've got leather tote bags, men and women, Leather Bibles, journals, all sorts of accessories. Perfect for Christmas, holidays coming up. Watch for a Black Friday sale coming your way. Wow. That's good.
1: At LazarusArtisanGoods.com, there's a Black Friday sale. Yes. I like that. Okay. Jared Brown and Natalie. uh, Why all of a sudden I was forgetting your last name. Natalie Bierman and Luis Brizio. Thank you so much for being on I Work For Him. Thank Thank you. you. Make sure you check out Kingdom at Work online at kingdomatwork.com for the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Check out Mission Lazarus online, missionlazarus.org. And of course, for that Black Friday sale, lazarusartisangoods.com. We would really love for you to consider bringing your leadership team to the next Kingdom Leadership Workshops available in 2019. Let me just say this candidly from my heart. If you are a Christ follower and you desire to really find out what does it mean to live out my faith as I lead an organization or as I lead my company, this is the greatest intro available on the planet. kingdomatwork.com kingdomatwork.com
5: yeah, But Jim, the really cool thing is, is that they Jim, don't But Jim, but, but wait So I've said something wrong to, now No, they don't need to take our word for it no, We they have don't. some guests in the room that we're going to be introducing And it's just pretty exciting because they've not Been here just once, but twice And brought more leaders back with them To help them with the, what they're learning Here, so I just wanted to say that You know?
1: Uh, I think it's fantastic Alright, we've got in studio with us, the second half of the show We've got C.C. Massey We've got James St. Clair, and we've got Kathleen Bauman. She is or is it Bauman? I said it wrong again, didn't I? It's a Minnesota guy. And it's a, you know, yes. okay. So Bowman, I promise Bo. to never screw that up again on the air with you today. She's a CFO. All right. These, this is an orthodontics practice right here in Lubbock, Texas. They didn't have to travel real far yet. I'm sure the journey has been just as arduous. Let me just start off with you, CC. How
6: did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Um, I grew up in a in a house of faith. My parents were both uh followers of jesus and um, in fact, my uncle was the the preacher at the the church I grew up in. Uh, he started as a youth pastor there and ended up being our lead pastor mm-hmm. and um uh, it was It was a story of 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 god 's irresistible grace. He just um, captured my heart at an early age. Um, I was eight years old went to a church camp that my uncle was putting on and um, I felt my desperate need for for a rescuer, for someone to uh, save me from my sins, and uh, heard a very clear presentation of the gospel while I was at the church camp. Uh, felt felt my brokenness and my dirtiness, and knew I needed someone to, to clean and rescue me. And so, um, gave my gave my life to the Lord there at the church camp. Came home and uh, met with my parents, and and they uh, affirmed my faith. And uh, was baptized by my uncle at the local congregation wow. in Hobbs, New Mexico.
1: Nice. Okay. Yes, All right. Kathleen Bowman, talk to us about how you came to be a Jesus follower.
7: Okay. Well, I grew up in the Midwest. Actually, I grew up in Iowa. Uh, farm family, Catholic church. Did that for the first 21 years of my life when I got married to my husband. He was actually a Methodist, and, and we tried both faiths um, for a little while before we de- decided that Methodist was really our wheelhouse. That, that worked well for for us, we moved from Kansas, Iowa to Kansas to Texas here in Lubbock, uh, started at First United Methodist Church downtown, grew our kids up there, and we've been there ever since. So that's that's kind of my background. Which part of thought.
1: Iowa did you grow up in?
7: I grew up near Audubon, Iowa, southwest part of Cal- part of that state. So
1: right near Nebraska?
7: Yes, sir. Wow.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. Very good. All right. James St. Clair, how did you become a Jesus follower? my story took a little time. It felt like, uh, that's okay. we got time too. Tim.
0: I, I was, uh, I w- I grew up in a family where we went to church. Um, but we, we were going through the motions mm-hmm. and, uh, I was baptized when I was 12 just because I felt like I should be baptized. Uh, and then my uncle invited me to a ski trip and, uh, It was with his church and I felt like I heard the gospel presented for the first time. And uh, so at that point, uh, they did an altar call and I went forward, Mm -hmm. gave my life to the Lord. But then in college, that's when my faith was tested. And that's when God really grabbed me and pulled me close to him and helped me decide, hey, do I want to just go through the motions and and pretend to be a Christian, or do I really want to live for Him? And that's when God really got a hold of me.
1: Well, as an orthodontist, you were in college for like ten years. So was it the whole ten years He was tugging <laughs> at you, or what was it? uh That was my freshman year in co- college. So He got you right early. He got me early. That's Excellent. great. Okay, Praise so at what point in time in your yeah. life, James, did you realize that orthodontistry was what you wanted to chase after? I was twelve years old again. uh It's
0: strange. My uncle was an orthodontist, and so. He uh came to me and at Christmas time and asked me my interest and he said, Hey James, what do you like to do? I told him, He said, Hey James, I think you ought to be an Orthodontist and it just spoke a blessing into my life. Hmm. And I said, Yes, sir, I think I will. And he said, Well come practice with me and I said, Okay. And so uh twelve years old I just decided I wanted to be an Orthodontist and I never looked back. Wow, that's fantastic. So, um, and it goes to show you the power of words mm-hmm, right. that
1: you can really speak into someone's life, and it it grabbed me. Cece, what about you? At what point in time in your life did you realize orthodontistry was the call on your life? Because that's truly mm-hmm. a call. Understand, everybody listening, if you're going to spend your life with your hands in somebody else's mouth, that is a calling.
6: Well, that's a good segue because um, I, I actually... Um, just kind of came about it. It was not something that I saw as a calling early on. Um, I I really thought at some point I would be called into the ministry and uh, had a heart for ministry. Um, my uncle, who is um, the preacher at my church, always kind of called me to that, but I never felt that calling on my life. And um, so, so. Just went into college saying, well, what's something that that can allow me to help people? And uh, so started out pre-med, ended up switching to pre-dental, got to dental school, had a good friend who was a year older than me, who was kind of a spiritual mentor of mine. And and his dad was an orthodontist. And he's like, hey, if you want to really make impact on people's lives, like orthodontics is actually a way you can do that. And I'm like, okay, what does that look like? Um, So he kind of Uh, just mentored me for a year or so and got me to move over to that camp. So specialized in orthodontics and then um, really didn't see it as a calling until we got to do this kingdom at work thing. And uh, all of a sudden I saw now that this is a calling and um, that the Lord has has always been building this ministry part of my heart um, to be a minister in my own Orthodox practice. And so, yeah, it's, it's been more of an evolving thing for me.
1: So you never realized getting all this training. Cause you had to spend how many years in school, you guys have eight or nine years in school, right? Yeah. Ten. Well,
6: you've got, yep. Yeah, 10 years,
1: 10 years. They
5: don't so like to talk ten, eight, about eight, it. Nine, I don't ten. think there's well, no fan for it. It's okay.
1: <laughs> I get that. All right. But so it had never occurred to you that you would be in ministry helping people's teeth be straight and healthy.
6: No, not really. I, I, I would have to say there were Really, more selfish motives along the way that were driving comfort, uh, security, some of those idols in my life, um, that the Lord has, has redeemed me from and is still working on in me, but, but it always was more of a lifestyle choice. Um, and so, so to see the Lord do something with that is, is, is all on him. Yeah.
1: yeah. Kathleen Bowman, you, you, you described yourself as office manager, money, you control the money, but you're really the CFOs way James described you. Talk to us about your role in, within the, well, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight the website, St. Clair and St. Clair and Kathleen, talk to us about when you realized your role was really a supportive role, but very important because you're detail-oriented. You're having to deal with the money. I mean, when did God reveal you that, hey, that was your role to serve?
7: Uh, actually, I, he only revealed that to me a year ago. So I've been in the practice for 34 years, but for 34 years, I come from the Midwest, ag- agriculture background, um, moved to to Texas, knew nothing about cotton. That wasn't going to be my wheelhouse. Not a lot of cotton in Iowa. Not a lot of cotton in Iowa. So when... Um, when I uh, got laid off from TI back in back in the day, um, John Saint Clair had an ad in the paper for an actually a, an assist, administrative assistant. Was that
1: your uncle? Uncle. Okay. All so right.
7: I, I started working for John Saint Clair, um, and eventually Dr. James came on. Eventually Dr. Massey came on, and my my path just kind of evolved from administrative assistant to insurance to financial coordinator, um, and I've been I'm blessed along the way to be able to continue to work with these guys, but. couple years ago I really started wondering what my purpose was and I was really following God's purpose in my life and I honestly couldn't tell you that I was and I was questioning it a lot was this was I doing this out of convenience and comfort or was I doing this because this was really my calling and so we struggled a little bit in the last couple years um as a practice and um That was really kind of when I questioned myself on this and events kind of took over and it solidified that this is exactly the place I am supposed to be at this point in my life. My purpose is here, but God groomed me for 33 years for this purpose today right now and this um workshop has been the largest blessing i can tell you in my life i've been in the church my entire life nothing has blessed me quite the way that the mentors of these doctors has but also the opening up um of the spirit to me uh, and it started in April with, with this workshop and it has just grown And I call this a movement. We are in the middle of a movement in our practice and I could go on and on, but I think I'll stop. And that's let you go. so
5: excellent. But let me just <laughs> let our listeners know what you're referring to. We are at the, um, we are in Lubbock, Texas. Kingdom at work is a ministry that's putting on a kingdom leadership workshop right now. And that's the workshop you're talking about. And so we are, um, our guests today are from St. Clair and Massey orthodontics and one One of the things that I'm real curious about is as you were wrestling with this, were you wrestling with the doctors? Were you having an open conversation about it or was this just you internally?
7: No, this was me internally just trying to make sure that this was really the right place and that, that I wasn't just, um, subconsciously deciding that I shouldn't go somewhere else because this was the easy path. I'm, I'm confident with what I do and competent with what I do. Sure. But that doesn't mean I'm in the right place for God's purpose in my life. And I started asking that. So James St. Clair, how did Kingdom at Work enter into this
5: conversation?
0: We have always been blessed because my uncle was a Christian leader Mm -hmm. and we had a Christian practice. God told me right away when I became an orthodontist that my purpose was not to just straighten teeth. My purpose was for him. And he made that very clear to me in my orthodontic residency that I was to, I hid way more than straight teeth in my future hmm. and it was to impact lives. So we had a Christian practice, but even though we had a Christian practice, the kingdom at work, um, redefined our whole practice. It, it makes you focus on who your core is, and how the kingdom interacts and how we are part of the body of Christ and how we can reach our uh, the people that work with us, our teammates. Um, we were Christians, but we were trying to be focused on a lot of our patients and we were not focused on our people as much.
1: We're talking with C.C. Massey. We're talking with James St. Clair. We're talking with Kathleen Bowman from St. Clair and Massey Orthodontics. Check them out online, stclairandmasseyortho.com. James St. Clair, right before the break, you were talking about the transformation in your company. You said you, you had a Christian company before, but, it, but it's been transformed because of learning the things you're learning at the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. Absolutely.
0: We were we would pray together. We would try to have a kingdom focus where we would, we would serve people Thanksgiving meals and Thanksgiving dinners. And we were doing Christian things, but what we learned at the kingdom workshop was how to really focus on our team, uh, on our own people, how to be kingdom centered all the time. And so I think in the beginning we were missing some of that. And this, this workshop has truly changed our practice. It's changed our focus. It's changed. Uh, it's helped us, helped us to identify our core of what to build our practice on, uh, our core values, and how that influences our culture. And so we are so excited. And this is our second time here. You know, I did not know how it would have impact us the second time, and I think it's just as impressive, just as influential, and impactful.
1: And we're going to get some of those details in a second.
5: We are. But Kathleen, the question that Jim was um, asking right before the break was, if only, kind of an if only question, what can you imagine if only you had known 30 plus years ago, what God's been revealing to you now as, as your job as
7: a calling on your life,
1: that your work mattered to God.
7: It, that wasn't that wasn't the way it was to be. Mm-hmm. I'm fully convicted that this is the time, mm-hmm. the here and now. And they can attest to the change in me personally within mm-hmm. the practice. And I don't think, um, I think that there was an important aspect to my change um, in a leadership role in the practice, meaning my personality change or my transformation change. It was important that people witness that as opposed to me always be that way. Um, So I think it's more impactful that this happened now when more people are really witnessing that transformation. Excellent.
1: Cece Massey, I want to ask you this question. You came six months ago to a Kingdom Leadership Workshop. What was your biggest takeaway for your orthodontics practice six months ago that you said, we want to apply this that we learned at the Kingdom Leadership Workshop? What was your biggest takeaway six
6: months ago? That God not only called us, in this place and time, in his sovereign will to have this practice for those employees to see the kingdom come more in our practice and in their lives, but that he 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 gave us permission to live out our faith more in our workplace. Like James said, like we were Christian business leaders, um, we were Christian Orthodonists, but we didn't know um there was still a barrier there. There was still a wall that had to be broken through that we would let the kingdom come fully. And, and that reliance on the Holy spirit that, that, um, that, that a follower of Christ really needs to have started to happen in our lives because we started submitting more instead of us being so controlling of the practice and of the people. Um, we were challenged to open our hands and and let the Lord, um, take over our lives and our practice. And I feel like James and I have been on that journey together, uh, Kathleen and some of our other leadership team. Um, they've been on that journey with us and the Lord has just blessed it immensely. We've seen some really cool stories that have come out of it the last six months and, uh, all, all to his glory.
5: You know, one of the things that they really stressed throughout this workshop is that they're not delivering you a program. They're not saying this, 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 and this, and this will happen. Um, so as you went back, as you discussed, as you wrestled with things, how did you unveil that to your, to your employees, to these very people that you wanted to show love and, and exhibit the kingdom to? How how did that unfold?
0: I'll tell you, at first it felt overwhelming because we got so much good information, Mm. we didn't know where to start. I mean, it was just so many things. We knew right quick we had to build relationships, something that we had not really focused on.
1: With your employees?
0: With our employees. how many employees do you have? 32, 33. Oh, wow. So this is not a
1: small orthodontics practice.
0: We've been very blessed and we're very grateful. We have a great team. But we didn't know how to engage each one of them. We were a a patient-focused practice, which is great. Mm -hmm. And we want to continue to do that. But we really want to know, we spend every day with our employees. Yeah. We spend five minutes. If a super long appointment goes on, it might be a 30-minute or maybe up to an hour appointment. But we're eight hours, nine hours a day with our team. And we... We're rubbing shoulders. We need to engage with them and get to know them and build deep relationships. And that's how lives are changed.
5: So how did you start doing that?
7: You know, they really, they do really give you a roadmap here. Um, They don't tell you to do it exactly their way, but Mm -hmm. they gave us the, I I call them tools and a roadmap. So, um, you know, some, some of the things they said were to grow your people, to grow your people, you have to know your people that. I just love that. Yeah. Um, and I, I, we haven't let go of that yet. So, um, you know, it's, it's great to be a leader and it's great to be a manager, but, but the point being you're, you need to grow the people within your teams. Um, and, and even some of the unexpected ones. So, so if we worked hard to grow uh, personalities up. We we've done some phenomenal hiring. They gave us some some great tools to look for an intentional hiring, which is not something we've done before. Um, you know, pretty much you're filling positions when you have the need. So, some intentional hiring. Um, we're engaging our our employees um, on a more personal level. Um, you know, as as the one who is kind of more the accounting person, I didn't really feel like it was my position to build relationships with my team members. I'm doing the accounting. I'm supposed to work. I'm not supposed to spend time visiting or have a coffee with someone. And so it really changed um, mm-hmm. kind of the, the thought process on, on even my relationships with my coworkers, which was something I had not developed over the years. Oh, I, I know, you know, you know them, but you don't know them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm more intentional to ask. Ask and stop and smell the roses with them a little bit. So
5: as you've been developing these relationships with your staffers, what has been one of the biggest surprises that's come out of that? Cece? I think
6: one of the biggest surprises is just the challenge of it. Um, you know, when you're not putting your your uh, life in silos anymore and asking your team to to drop their worries off at the door but but welcoming them to actually bring those in the mm-hmm. door you find out that life is is messy right and yes. so ministry <laughs> is messy because we're messy people we're broken people and um and so allowing people to bring that into the practice and uh and and actually asking them to to um take this journey with us has been been challenging um, I think the other thing besides the, the, the fact that it is, is messy that we get to step into that is that, um, it, it is, it's counter-cultural and it's, and it's kind of upside down. And so, um, so it, it is a little shocking to your team when you bring it back. Um, and so, um, some of them have jumped in and, 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 and really, um, been blessed by it. And then others have, have had a little bit harder time, um, welcoming the new vision. Um, but, but. We're just trusting the Lord with those. Um, we have a great team, and so we're praying that that uh, some of the other ones that that haven't caught the vision yet will, mm-hmm. and we'll just be faithful to continue to to kind of beat this heartbeat of of kingdom in our workplace. Now re-experiencing
1: the kingdom leadership workshop for the second time, guys. Uh, let's just do, go really quick because we we'll only have a couple minutes left in the show. What is your What do you think your biggest takeaway is going to be from this time through, James? Well biggest
0: takeaway, I think, is just relationship, relationship, relationship. Hmm. Uh, we have to keep working on that um, to, to, to figure out how we can help each other grow. And so we have uh, implemented some great things. We've, we've had a chaplain on our team for a while, but how to redefine her role and, and focus on that. Um, and then how to,
1: how to just love well. Mm-hmm. I like it. Kathleen Bowman. What about you? What do you think? What's your biggest takeaway?
7: So today they asked, you know, why does your business exist? Why do we exist? And and the takeaway was not, it's not about smiles. It's about how to encourage our, our people to create a relationship with God. It's why we do it. What we do is orthodontics, but why we do it is to have them create a relationship with God. And I That's, thought that was amazing. Excellent.
6: CC. I just love the, uh, purple and, uh word. Matthew five, Jesus says that a light is not something uh, you hide under a basket, but rather you put it on a stand and it gives light to all who are in the house. And then he tells us in the same way. Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I feel like He's empowered us for that. He's given us dominion in our practice. He's given us the authority, and through the power of His Holy Spirit, we'll see this come to fruition.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't wait to hear the follow-up on this story. CC Massey, James St. Clair, and Kathleen Bowman. Thank you guys for being an I work for Him today. Thank you. Thank it, you. It was great to hear this story. I can't. I can't wait to hear a year from now what is going on in St. Clair and Massey Orthodontics. Check them out online. St. Clair and Massey Ortho.com. You've been listening to I Work for Him with your host Jim and Martha Brangenberg, from the Kingdom Leadership Workshop. We're Christ followers, our workplaces, our mission field, but ultimately, I work for, for Him. him.